that you bless the sharing of this word, the sharing with my brothers and sisters in the time the Father is to bring them up and encourage them. Bless this day. Guide my brothers and sisters. Keep them upright. Keep them bold. Keep them encouraged. Do not allow the, their mindset to step down, step aside, be confrontational, Father, but be in your word. Seek the truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Yahweh Aman. Yeshua Aman. Parakritos Aman. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are worthy to be praised. Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> I'm going to share with you one of the scriptures that was uh, shared during the Sunday sermon. Uh, from First Thessalonians, but um, I'm going to go ahead and share from First Thessalonians 4 and uh, 1 through 5, and then I'm going to jump over to chapter 5. And these truths, these are intended more for those that are walking with Jesus and, and believe and and are claiming to be Christians and understand something too. A lot of times what we look at in, in uh, the Bible uh, then and now, we have to kind of adjust to Bible speak. When they talk about, uh, when they talk about the separation of the Gentiles and they talk about circumcision and different things like that later in the New Testament, circumcision was a physical form of uh, honoring God and, and was a sacrifice to the young children. Um, and it's not so much done now. Uh, now it's it's altered its meaning completely. But when they talk about circumcision in the New Testament, they're not, they're talking about a spiritual circumcision that we have been separated from that other part of our walk, the worldly walk. Um, and sometimes you'll see in the Bible when they talk about the circumcised, uncircumcised, and they talk about the Gentiles. Well, you have to remember, brothers and sisters, that the chosen children of Israel, that they were led out of Egypt in the bondage and God stayed with them and, and walked with them firstly and, and tried to give them favor. They kept turning their back. Um, they kept revolting and rebelling against God. And the Gentiles were those that were not of the nation of Israel. But now in Bible speak, that's just the separation of the believers and non-believers. Gentiles would be those that have not had an opportunity to hear the word of God and be witness to. Um, and they have not accepted Jesus Christ as the only begotten son of God. And they don't show faith and favor to God. Um, so that is a separation in Bible speak. So you, you have to kind of be able to interpolate into what the scriptures are saying. I mean, don't take it out of context because it's very contextual in its, in its lessons. But that's what it means. It's just a, the separation of the believers and the non-believers. And there are many of the folks that are Jewish that, are still in rebellion. They still don't believe. They're still looking for the Messiah, and they still don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. There are those that believe that, and there are those that believe that he is the
the only begotten Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he will do the things that he promised to do. <clears throat> Jonathan Kahn is a rabbi, a teacher, <clears throat> a master of the scripture. He is also a born-again Christian. He is Jewish. He shares, oh, I love his lessons. I followed this thing uh, weekly. The Book of Mysteries, there are things that are spoken of in the Bible that he expounds on and he enlightens. And it's such a powerful word, and he still has powerful words to share. Jewish and a Christian. It's possible to be both, but there are some that believe that it's not, but entirely. Anyway, there I go getting verbose again. So anyway, in... The letter that Paul wrote, the first letter that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, in chapter 4, he's exhorting to godliness the brothers and sisters of the church there, looking toward Jesus' second coming. He is, and we have to also remember in that before I take off, we have to remember that things are in God's timing. People are looking like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? The disciples even did that. And what did Jesus tell them? It's not for you to know. Only the Father knows. God is looking at his watch. And his watch doesn't run on our time. Okay? The angels in heaven don't even talk about it. They don't know. They're not privy to that information. Only God knows. And when it's time, then a shout from the heavens and a trumpet will sound. Gabriel will sound the call to worship because brothers and sisters, just like the shafar, the ram's horn, calling the people to worship. Gabriel will sound the trumpet, but it will be the heralding of the return of our King, Lord Jesus Christ, coming again for us, as he promised in the Father's timing. It's coming. Chapter 4. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, ye ought to walk and to please God, so that ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. So that word is just the thing that God made in us and gave us that, the desire for being with your wife and the wife with the husband, that was a design by God. And that draw to be with one another in eros, love, is not a wrong thing. But when we take it to be personal self-gratification, that momentary thing, and the devil drives that in the weakness of minds of men, and women, and that makes it something that it's not meant to be, a dark, lustful passion 
that doesn't belong in our minds. And it's, it's, he's not only talking about that. And Paul also wrote in his letters, he said, it would be better that a man had not known a woman because that desire is strong and it's real. And not only in men, you have to understand the Bible speak, okay? Just like when they were counting the heads at the Sermon on the Mount before God broke the bread and the fish and blessed it and it multiplied to feed them. Okay, in those days and in their culture, they counted the men and that was the household. However, you have to also understand in that time, 99.9% of folks were married and a great percentage of them had an average of four children per family just on average in estimation. So when they said Jesus fed the 5,000 in the Bible, they're talking about the heads of household, the men. But now you have to multiply that by two and then multiply that again by four because most of the households had four children. Not all, most. So you're talking about more than 5,000. You're now speaking of 10,000. And now you're talking about close to an entire football stadium filled with people that Jesus fed and that they came to hear the gospel of God because that's what Jesus was teaching, the gospel of his father. Later on, the disciples were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because he had been crucified for our sanctification, our justification, our valuation in God, and he went to heaven. And now we speak the gospel of Jesus Christ and God the Father. So you have to kind of understand Bible speech in that, in the separation of the Gentiles. That's only speaking of those that are not walking with God, those that we need to reach out to, those that we need to speak to and share the word with. This word today is mostly for brothers and sisters, as Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, reminding them of these things, because just as it is today, brothers and sisters, there are things, there were things going on then. This is nothing new. People think that the Bible has to be rewritten. It's not relevant. It's the, oh, for crying out loud, all you have to do is read it and listen to what God has to say. Everything that's going on now was also going on then. The only difference is the era that we live in. That's all. First Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. If you're in the word of God, and you lean in to hear him, as Jesus Christ said, as the angel was speaking to John in the book of Revelation eight times in the first seven chapters, they that have ears, let them hear. Open spiritual ears, lean into what God is saying. And if you're in the word, you're studying the word and studying to show yourself approved, you will know that the day of the Lord is coming and that, as Paul is telling them, if you're studying, you don't need me to tell you these things, but I exhort you to stay in that word. 
For, and then he talks about those around. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. So, brothers and sisters, that's happening now. Government is trying to tell, oh, it's okay. We got this. We're in this together. And everything's going to, is okay. Well, no, it's not okay. Because the government is still killing our children. And I don't care what anyone says. If you're offended, too bad, so sad. Examine your hearts. Examine the word of God. People are murdering children, which is what abortion is. That's not okay. It is also contrary to what the word says. Now, don't get me wrong here, brothers and sisters. There are dire situations where it might be necessary because it's going to kill one or both. And doctors are trying to do the very best that they can. I get that. But to have abortion clinics so that people can go out and just do willy-nilly whatever they want and then to abdicate the responsibility of that child and just go someplace and have that life taken out of them because they decide that, well, gee, maybe I should have kept my pants zipped up or kept my dress up or down or however and should not have been involved in all of that. But now I don't want this baby. I want to do things. You have those that are in Hippocratwood that declare, well, gee, I couldn't be as rich as I am and as successful as I am if I had the responsibility of a child. Well, why didn't you think of that before doing it? There goes my verbosity again. I get agitated by things, but these things are spoken of in the word right here. And when they are trying to say that it's okay and everything's just peaceful, peachy, keen, it's not okay. Look around, brothers and sisters, but look from God's perspective. We must stay in prayer for this nation. Paul exhorted his followers, his disciples which he had, all of the apostles did, those that they taught in the word, to go out and share the word. We are all disciples. Disciples is just a word for discipline. The discipline is that we must be and study the word of God. We must study to show ourselves approved. We must study and practice what the word says. Okay? So when they tell you that everything is okay and they've got it under control, they don't. Paul exhorted him to pray for all the kings and that we have to be there. And I'm going to jump over here to 2 Thessalonians in his letter. He wrote, We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye, not soon sh that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by the word, nor by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So, brothers and sisters, it's coming. And we are told 
that there are those that will be deceiving and that they're going to tell you that everything is good and everything's okay and that there's no reason that everything is good, but it's not. In 1 Timothy, he writes to him, I exhort, therefore, and this is chapter 2, exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers of intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So he exhorts him in his first letter to Timothy. That, and when he talks about the king, they're talking, that's Bible speak for presidents and princes are the governors and, and all in authority that were elected and, and claim to be these things. We still need to pray for them. Don't be deceived by them because many do not speak the truth. Sadly, that's just the way it is. They just don't speak truthful. And sadly, many that did were ostracized and even assassinated because they spoke truth. They had integrity. And they also believed in God and prayed for this nation. Let me continue. In... 1 Thessalonians 5, taking it up in 4. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate, of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation for god hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together edify one another even as also you do and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort and feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. Both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. I've told you this before, brothers and sisters, try the spirit. If you're going to a new church and try my spirit, I invited you to do so. If you have doubts that what I'm saying is the truth, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. But I trust, and my faith is, that it won't happen. Why? Because I speak the truth. I have prayed over these words. I have prayed the blessing of God. God would not let me continue doing this if it was not condoned by him. 
but that's okay. I still invite you. Try the spirit of truth in what I say. And what the word says, prove all things. And in so doing, you pray that the Holy Spirit would prove the spirit of truth. That's what that means. And it also means that we pray continually to God. And all things, I tell you that. When you're getting into a situation that looks like you're not going to be able to handle it, pray. It might be tumultuous, but guess what? Don't whine and cry about it. Pray going into it. Hold to the right hand of God leading into it. Pray during that and thank him when you walk out of the other side. Whining and crying in the midst of the storm isn't going to get you through it. It's going to keep you there. And then every time you look around, it's still dark and, and tumultuous and the winds and the waves are high. Keep walking through it. Sometimes I find myself asking God why we went a certain way. Because, as I've shared with you, it's not wrong to be afraid. But to be fearful is not good. Don't be fearful. And I asked him, I said, Father, why do we go this way? And he tells me, because I know that your enemies can't swim. We might be in a little bit of deep water, but he's keeping our chin up. Have faith in God. Believe on him. As Peter stepped out of the ship and uh, he went to Jesus walking on, he was fine. And then the wind and the lightning and the waves, he started looking around and worrying about those instead of focusing on Jesus Christ and focusing on his faith. And what happened? He sank. Faith, brothers and sisters. God will see you through. The Holy Spirit will guide. Have faith that the detour is the road. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I kissed the men in the group. There's a, some of them said, oh, that's so weird. That's a, And they're uncomfortable with that. Well, right here in the word of God, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That doesn't mean you snatch on to them and grab them by the ears and give them a big old lip lock. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about a holy kiss because you love them. It's a way to show that love to them. A kiss on the cheek is not inappropriate. They got all uncomfortable because they weren't raised that way or they didn't. They don't know that and it makes them weird. And you know what? There's other men in that same church group that said, oh, that's okay. I'll take a kiss. They know what it means. There's some people that get caught up in this world and they're so caught up in all these things that go on around. Oh, that's weird. That's strange. Why? The Bible says to do it. The Bible says to do it and says it's not wrong. So we're not talking about any weird things that are put on people today. Don't look at what the world says is odd. We are chosen... And the Bible tells us that we are a peculiar people. 
Why are we a peculiar people? Because we don't do everything that everyone else does. We don't accept the fact that it's okay to do the non-Christian walk and unbelievers walk. You have those that saying it's okay for, and that these Christian businesses are bigots and racists because they don't want to pander to the LBGTQ or alphabet folks or whatever they are because the, their faith tells them that it's not right to do it. If it's an abomination to God, it's an abomination to a good God-fearing Christian person. They should not be di directed by laws of man that they must do that if their faith tells them not to. That's not being confrontational. That's just being steadfast in the word of God. But remember, I tell you this again, it's not the ideologies or it is the ideologies and not the people. This is where the confusion comes in. Everybody wants to point their finger and say, look at those Christians. They're racist. They're bigots because they're not cowing down to us. That's not what it's about. You're right. We're not cowing down to you. We're not going to compromise and step aside and say it's okay if God says it's not okay. And that's what the world does. They point their finger and they say, those Christians. However, there are many Christians that are very accepting of the people. In my community of brothers and sisters around me, there are a number that follow to that ideology. But we talk about God and I pray for them. And you know what? They're appreciative of that. I don't shame them for their ideology. That's not my place. My place is to love them, exhort them in the word of God, try to share that with them, and if they have ears to hear it, that's a good thing. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Don't quench the spirit. Try the spirit in all things. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Hold fast onto it. Hold tight to it. Don't let it go. Don't step aside and compromise. I've shared with you before, there are some elders of uh, certain churches. I won't mention them by name, and I won't mention the, the following in the church group, but it breaks my heart because why? They stepped aside and compromised because they shared a scripture out of the Bible, and then they apologized for it. That is not biblical, it's not scriptural, and it's not what we do. If it's in the Bible, it's the word of God, it's the truth, and God does not need any one of us to apologize for him or his teaching or his word. That's not what we are about. It was not attacking. There could have been other ways, but to apologize for that scripture, that word of God, that is, that's abhorrent. That's despicable. And that's cowardice. To be stepping down because everybody's pointing their finger and saying, you shouldn't have said that because those people are offended. Well, too bad. If you're offended by hearing the truth, then guess what? Maybe you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You think? Brothers and sisters, it's in the Bible. I speak truth. I speak the word. And that's all I do. If people are offended by that, that's just too bad. People were offended at Jesus Christ for speaking the truth, the gospel of his father. 
He was crucified for it because people were offended in their arrogance because they were the law, the law of the word, and nothing can change the law of the word, except that Jesus Christ did not come to condemn. He came to save. He came, and when they questioned him why he ate with the, with the publicans and the, those that they blamed for being prostitutes and, and those that were unruly, but they came to hear the word. And as he told them, those that are healthy don't need the physician. Those who are sick need healing. And that's what Jesus Christ was about. And as he's tried to share with the Pharisees, they constantly, the Sanhedrin constantly were arguing with him. Because they didn't understand what he said. They didn't have the spiritual ear to hear. And why he spoke in parabolic speech? First of all, go to the Old Testament. You will find that God spoke parabolically. And Jesus Christ spoke in the New Testament. And he said, I speak from my father. I have seen what my father does. So I bring it. He learned parabolic speech from God, his father. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you will see that many of the prophets would ask God for clarification when they didn't understand it, which is what the intent is. Their drive was to have the knowledge and to do the right thing. If he spoke parabolically to them, they said, Father, what do you mean? Yahweh, explain that. And he would. When I was a kid with teachers, if I didn't understand something, I'd go up a little sheepishly because I didn't want the class to see and think things. I was worried about what they would think instead of just getting it right. And not thinking that asking that openly might have been informative to someone else who was also afraid to ask, but ask for clarification. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus Christ spoke parabolically, especially to those so that they would ask, but they didn't. Why? Because they were arrogant. They were the knowledgeable ones, but yet they didn't. And Jesus told them, oh, you know the word of God, but you don't know God. And when he stands before you, you don't even recognize it. Jesus Christ spoke scripture to them. They didn't even know. Brothers and sisters, stay in the word. Pray for all of those in the world. And when they tell you that everything's okay because they don't have it, because they have it under control, no, they don't. All these programs that the government claims to have in control for everyone, guess what? They're broke. That's why they're borrowing so much. And sadly, because they're concerned with keeping things in their pocket, sad. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray for them. The ideologies are abhorrent. The egregious acts actions that they perpetrate onto the people in this country. It's sad, but we need to keep them in prayer. The ideologies are the abomination, not the people. Love God, love people, share the word, be in the word, and drive each other to that. Provoke each other in that higher love. Provoke one another to share the word. Provoke one another to do the right thing, to be in God, to study the word, to seek his face, 
study to show ourselves approved. The only validation that anyone needs is the word of God. The word of God from his mouth to say, my child, well done. That's it. I love you, brothers and sisters. You have a very great day.